Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy football. Draft your team with no in-season management. Get the optimal score each week of the season and have a shot at over $10 million in total prize money in their Best Ball Mania 3 contest. Head on over to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store, sign up with promo code FSE, and Underdog is going to match your first deposit up to $100. Again, Underdog Fantasy. Sign up with promo code FSE and draft your Best Ball Mania 3 team today. What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Bush coming at you solo today to break down some boomer bust players in 2022 fantasy football. Specifically in this video, I'm going to base it on the premise of the third-year breakout. So we're going to be talking about third-year players that I think are boomer bust this year. A lot of NFL teams follow this mantra, so I think we should as fantasy players as well. They say you'll know by year three what you've got in a player. And the biggest examples of third-year boomer busts that we saw this past year were Debo Samuel, of course, booming for wide receiver three finish overall, 21.2 fantasy points per game. And then to a lesser extent, we saw Marquise Brown, who finished wide receiver 21, 14.1 fantasy points per game. So if you guys enjoy this video at any point, as always, hit the like button, comment any of your thoughts down below, and subscribe to the channel if you are new. Check out the TikTok. We got daily news recaps and stuff going on over there that you won't find here. So tiktok.com forward slash fantasy stock exchange. We have new merch available as well. Fantasystockexchange.co is where you can find that. But without further ado, let's hit the intro. To give you an idea of what I'm talking about in this video, I'm going to use the two examples that I talked about in the intro, Debo Samuel and Marquise Brown, because the three players that I'm going to talk about in this video today mimic the career paths of Debo Samuel and Marquise Brown, Debo Samuel being a wide receiver one ceiling example and Marquise Brown being a wide receiver two ceiling example. Let's take Debo Samuel to start and I'm going to outline what his career trajectory was and explain how this applies to the three players that I'm talking about in today's video. If you want to skip this part, timestamps in the description, but in 2009, as a rookie, Debo Samuel scored 12.5 PPR points per game, which was good for a top 36 finish his rookie season. But from week 10 on, he was actually the wide receiver 14 to close out his rookie season. So we had this exciting, you know, rookie from South Carolina came into the 49ers. He was this dual threat on the ground and through the air type of dude made a big impact through the playoffs as well en route to a 49ers Super Bowl appearance in 2019. And in June of 2020, approaching his second season, he suffered a Jones fracture in his foot while he was training during a throwing session, which caused him to miss the first three games of 2020 and only play seven total games dealing with the foot uh, injury that he dealt with and a hamstring strain on top of it. So in those seven games in Debo Samuel's second season, we saw flashes of the Debo Samuel we saw as a rookie. He had 10 plus fantasy points in four of the seven games that he played, eight plus targets in three games and a couple boom games on there as well. In 2021, of course, we know he came out fully healthy and he absolutely exploded. Top three wide receiver in fantasy this year. Injury robbed his second season. And once healthy, he showed us the player that he can be. We saw a similar story with Marquise Brown as well. His first career game, he came out on 15% of the snaps and blazed the Dolphins for 30 fantasy points. That was the first thing that we saw of Marquise Brown in the NFL. He showed plenty of flashes throughout his rookie season, despite playing with a metal screw in his foot due to a Liz Frank surgery that he suffered while at Oklahoma. Leading into his second year, he had foot surgery 
following his first year to remove the screws from his Liz Frank foot injury. Then he blew out his hammy in the preseason in his second year, sprained his knee twice throughout the season, just a lost season of injuries overall. But again, we saw the flashes throughout his second season, including a top seven target share in the NFL, 26% as a second year wide receiver, which because it's the Ravens, nobody noticed because us uh, uh, 26% target share and like 450 pass attempts is only like a hundred targets. But the same thing applies for Marquise Brown. We saw the player that we were supposed to see in his second year. And then once everybody was giving up on Marquise Brown, he came out this year with 145 targets, usage of a top 15 fantasy wide receiver with the 14th ranked expected fantasy points per game, finished as a top 22 wide receiver in fantasy. If it wasn't for some drops and Lamar getting hurt, he probably could have been a big time league winner on uh, the Ravens this year. So I miss clean on both of these players. You guys know I was not in on Debo Samuel last year. I was not in on Marquise Brown last year. I didn't take into context the full scope of the injuries that both of these guys were dealing with that hampered their second seasons because I was really excited about both players in 2020 as second year players. And then once they didn't do it in 2020, I was like, all right, you know, these guys are done. Screw them. I'm just going to move on to the third year players. So here's some guys that I think could be this year's Debo Samuel slash this year's Marquise Brown. Again, I'm not talking about exactly what they produced from a fantasy production standpoint. I'm just talking about guys that could follow that same career path where they had an injury riddled second season. And then their third season, they were able to, um, you know, take advantage and produce, which will be their third seasons this year. So the first guy on this list is actually not a wide receiver. It's Antonio Gibson running back from the Washington commanders running back 25, 75th overall. And I actually tweeted this out earlier today that I think that Antonio Gibson might be the biggest boomer bust pick in all of fantasy this year, because I think this is a guy that is at the forefront of every running back dead zone article. He's at the forefront of every bus list. Nobody wants Antonio Gibson this year. Everybody is following the same, you know, narrative, the bus scenario that I'm going to paint right now. And for each one of these guys, I'll outline the bus scenario first and then how they can boom and why they're boomer bust. So the bus scenario is this. Everybody knows what I'm about to say. Antonio Gibson just isn't that guy. The commander shift to a committee approach. They use Antonio Gibson between the twenties. They use JD McKissick on third down. Brian Robinson spills uh, into his goal line work and some of his carry volume as well. And it sounds like a complete nightmare. And that's why everybody is out in, on Antonio Gibson. Gibson could maybe scrap together some back end running back to production if this scenario played out. And that's what everybody is expecting, which is why his ADP since like, you know, June, May or whatever has fallen from like a mid fourth round running back to a guy that's falling to like the sixth, seventh round on underdog. However, what if the reason that Antonio Gibson was so ineffective last year and McKissick was so involved on third down was simply due to the injury that Gibson was playing through. And I know this story very well because I had Antonio Gibson last year. So I was following his injury very closely. I was listening to whatever fantasy doctors had to say. He played through shin splints in 2021 in pretty much every game. He was on the injury report pretty much every week. And according to fantasy doctors, shin splints are very painful to play through. And they expected him to miss a lot of games as a result of it. As the season went along, they're like, oh, he's going to break down because this injury is really painful. It's a miracle that he only missed one game. So, so could the Antonio Gibson bull case be as simple as saying he's actually healthy this year because that's essentially all it took for Debo Samuel because all we needed to see out of Debo Samuel for him to be great was him to actually be healthy. Nothing has changed. Antonio Gibson is still a six foot, 230 pound freak of nature athlete who runs four threes with breakaway speed, background playing wide receiver in college, everything that we were excited about him last year, but he's now got two years of experience playing a position that he did not play in college and he's been effective 
when he's been on the field healthy, scoring 11 and 10 touchdowns in the last two seasons, despite playing for bad offenses with the Washington Commanders. A quarterback upgraded with Carson Wentz coming in. I'm not sure how much he's going to help the offense, but I think he's a marginal upgrade at the very least. What if I was just a year too early on Antonio Gibson? Because he was a guy that I really, really loved last year. Despite him finishing as like a mid RB2, which wasn't terrible, I still was able to win my championship with him as my second round pick. What if Ron Rivera and Scott Turner intended on giving him the Christian McCaffrey treatment that I talked about in the preseason last year, but then once he was coming into the season with an injury, they dialed it back and they're like, okay, we're going to use JD McKissick and uh, he's going to spell Antonio Gibson because Gibson is clearly not healthy. But what if they plan to do it this year with Antonio Gibson on the field? And you might be thinking, why would they plan on doing it this year? They would not have spent a third round pick on a running back in Brian Robinson from Alabama. But what if that guy is just insurance in case Antonio Gibson breaks down again? Let's not pretend that Brian Robinson is some elite prospect. He could be very well just an insurance policy in case Antonio Gibson gets injured. And I'm not saying I'm betting on all this to happen and that Antonio Gibson is some huge target of mine all of a sudden, but it is within the range of outcomes that Gibson does become the guy that we thought he could be last year. And you can get Gibson routinely in round five, round six, round seven on underdog and mostly in your home league drafts. I think the interesting thing to note too is the fact that people were ready to draft this dude as a top five running back the second that J.D. McKissick was expected to go to the Buffalo Bills. And that just proves that fantasy players still believe in Antonio Gibson. They still believe in the ability because if McKissick had left and Brian Robinson was the only other competition in that backfield, I think Antonio Gibson would be a second, third round type of fantasy pick. I pride myself on going deeper than most fantasy analysts do. I don't like just looking at service level analysis. So I'm not saying I'm in on Gibson. I'm not saying that he's a value. I'm simply pointing out that it is not set in stone that he's locked into a running back by committee. I don't think he's going to be a stone cold bust. He has the ceiling that we thought he had last year. It's definitely possible. The good and and the bad news is that we are going to find out which scenario is more likely during camp, during the preseason games, we're going to start to get camp buzz. And uh, specifically once we get to the preseason games, we'll see actual usage. If we get there and Gibson is getting talked up as a bell cow, we see usage of him getting workhorse touches with the first team in preseason. I'm definitely cool with it. The bad news is that if that happens, his ADP is going to rise as well. So if you guys want to get some exposure to Antonio Gibson right now, I don't blame you because there is a scenario where he is the guy that we thought he was going to be coming into his second season. Now, again, I'm not saying I'm in or out on Antonio Gibson. I'm just saying that it is possible and it is something that is going to be a storyline that I'm following. If we get into training camp and the second we get in there, they're like, it's a committee, it's a committee, it's a committee. We see in preseason games, it's a committee, it's a committee, it's a committee. Then I'm dialing back on this take and he probably doesn't have a high ceiling. But that's my thoughts on Antonio Gibson. I do think he is very, very boomer bust this year as it currently stands. Now, the second guy, that I'm going to get into is probably more likely to be this year's Debo Samuel at the wide receiver position. Denver Broncos wide receiver, Jerry Judy, wide receiver 22, 48th overall in ADP right now. If you guys followed this channel last year, you guys know I was fucking excited for Jerry Judy last year. I thought that he could develop into a Deontay Johnson level wide receiver. And I find myself thinking this year, why should that rosy picture that I had of Jerry Judy last year disappear? The bust scenario for Jerry Judy is that he's just not that good. Really, it all it comes down to is his ability. If he's not that good, then he'll probably carve out a mediocre target share split between him, Cortland Sutton, you know, Tim Patrick, the tight ends, the running backs, all that kind of stuff. We're not going to see him command a huge target share if he's just not that good of a player. And I've already talked about the concerns that this might be a run-heavy offense as well. So that bust scenario also plays out too, where if Jerry Judy's not that good of a player in a run-heavy offense, he might be 110 target season for 900 yards and six touchdowns, which is like replacement level wide receiver three production, which you're not going to be happy with if you spend a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick on Jerry Judy expecting some huge breakout season. 
So like Hollywood Brown and like Debo Samuel in Jerry Judy's second season, he was absolutely robbed by injury as well as bad quarterback play. Once he came back in the first game of the 2021 season, Jerry Judy went down with a high ankle sprain, which we've seen take down bigger beasts than him in fantasy, like Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Michael Thomas, and ruin those guys' seasons. And despite this, Jerry Judy on the season was able to carve out a 20% target share, 24.1% targets per route run, because he also wasn't a full-time player either. When he got back from injury, he was never on the field for you know 95, 98% of the routes or anything like that. He primarily played in the slot with Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton on the outside. And we also saw Cortland Sutton's numbers suffer mightily when Jerry Judy was in the lineup. You guys can see on the screen that when Jerry Judy played, Cortland Sutton averaged four PPR points per game. Like that is abysmal. This guy was averaging like four and a half targets per game. But when Jerry Judy was out of the lineup, Cortland Sutton was a guy that you could start routinely as a wide receiver too. Jerry Judy, when he was on the field, out-targeted Cortland Sutton in the 10 games that they played together, 56 to 38, despite Cortland Sutton running 264 routes to Jerry Judy's 232 and playing 20% more of the snaps on the season. So with Jerry Judy, you're getting a guy that was only just a slot receiver last year. It's very possible that, you know, like we're hearing from CeeDee Lamb in Dallas, that Jerry Judy plays more in two wide receiver sets on the outside. And then when they go three wide receiver sets, he moves into the slot and they keep him in that role. So we have Jerry Judy last year coming off of an injury with an injury riddled season outplaying Cortland Sutton and the unknown factor of Jerry Judy being a third year wide receiver. That was a great prospect top 15 overall pick because this is just his third season. He could still get better. And that injury might've stunted his development a little bit last year. Like we saw from Debo Samuel in his second year. I feel like many people too are pretending that Cortland Sutton is some superstar wide receiver in 2019. Cortland Sutton had a good season. It was not prolific. He had 1,100 yards. He was wide receiver 27 in points per game, despite having a top seven target share in the NFL and the number one air yard share in the NFL that year. In fact, he probably should have been a lot better in 2019. He was pretty good, but he was not that great. And I know the quarterback play wasn't that good, and I'm going to get to that in a second. Russell Wilson helps out everybody in this offense, from the running backs to the tight ends, but especially to Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. A lot of people have made the connection that, you know, Jerry Judy is the new Tyler Lockett and Cortland Sutton is the new DK Metcalf. And you'd probably be correct in saying that because their usage is probably going to be similar, that Jerry Judy's the slot receiver, DK and uh, Cortland Sutton are the main outside ride receivers. But I think the key distinction between that situation and the situation we find ourselves in is that Jerry Judy and Tyler Lockett are a lot closer in ability than Cortland Sutton and DK Metcalf, especially when we consider that Jerry Judy was playing through injury last year and he could get better as a player as, as just a third year wide receiver. DK Metcalf is worlds better than Cortland Sutton will ever be, especially at separating and creating big plays downfield. So I don't think that's it's as simple as saying, oh, Cortland Sutton's the main outside wide receiver. He's going to get the DK role. Jerry Judy's the slot receiver. He's going to get the Tyler Lockett role. Although I think it applies more to Jerry Judy than it does to Cortland Sutton on the outside. And as you guys can see on the screen, per Matt Harmon's reception perception, we saw his numbers decline a little bit from his rookie season. 81st percentile and 71st percentile against man and press as a rookie. Coming into his second season, we expect him to get better as a route runner. We knew Jerry Judy was a great separator coming out of Alabama. His numbers decline a little bit, but Matt Harmon says right in the profile for Jerry Judy that he's, quote, willing to write off some of the separation decline due to the high ankle sprain. And we've seen guys playing through injury typically see a downtick in their efficiency and their ability to separate. So again, similar to Antonio Gibson, I'm not all in on Jerry Judy. It's not a guy that I'm saying, oh, I love this dude. I'm all in on him. But there absolutely is a scenario that emerges where he is the third year wide receiver that emerges from the mid rounds, like Calvin Ridley, like Chris Godwin, like Debo Samuel last year, or maybe even just like Marquise Brown. 
last year. And the third year wide receiver breakout is still a thing. And that's something that I definitely did not take into account last year. It's why I missed on Debo Samuel. It's why I missed on Marquise Brown. And I don't want to make that mistake again. So Jerry Judy has the scenario in front of him where he's got improved quarterback play. He should be healthy this year. He should uh, be able to take a step forward in his career. And that could lead him to being the best receiver on the Broncos. And by far, if that happens. So the third guy that we're going to get into in this video is Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver from the San Francisco 49ers, wide receiver 43, 89th overall on underdog fantasy. Now the bus scenario is one of a bunch of things, right? You could talk about Ayuk getting himself into the doghouse again. It could be Trey Lance stinking as a quarterback. It could be the offense being very run heavy, or it could be as simple as saying Brandon Ayuk's the number three in this offense. Uh, Debo Samuel and George Kittle are going to out target him. And that's why he's not going to be that great of a pick. But I think the boom scenario for Brandon Ayuk is more of the Marquise Brown territory, not quite Debo level. Obviously, he would likely need Debo himself to get injured for him to have a huge, huge season like Debo had this past year. His season wasn't disrupted by injury, though. Unlike Debo Samuel and Marquise Brown as second year players, Brandon Ayuk's um, season was disrupted by what I would consider his own antics. Sounds like he needed to work harder or be more mature, whatever the case was, because he found himself in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse for the first seven games of the year. And especially the first two games of the year, we had no idea what the fuck was going on. Brandon Ayuk was not on the field. Nobody was giving us a straight answer, but once Brandon Ayuk secured his full-time role back from what we saw in his rookie season, he was a 90% snap share player, 85 at least from every game after week eight, he finished as a wide receiver three or better with 10 plus PPR points per game in eight of the 11 games to close out the season, including three top 12 finishes on a weekly basis. So Brandon Ayuk was a guy that was a wide receiver 16 over that stretch, wide receiver 22 in points per game. And the crazy thing is that he out-targeted Debo Samuel and George Kittle. He had 69 targets to Debo's 58 and George Kittle's 66. And he forced Debo Samuel into playing that wingback role instead of playing as a true wide receiver like he'd been playing at the beginning of the season. So Brandon Ayuk, similar to Jerry Judy, saw his success rate by route and his uh, overall success rate versus coverage numbers drop a little bit, but he was still great in reception perception. According to reception perception, this was relatively the same player that we saw. First onto the scene as a rookie wide receiver from Arizona State. Everybody was super excited about Brandon Ayuk. I know I was really excited about him. He helped me win a championship in 2020 as a rookie. And we also have the added wrinkle to this offense that Trey Lance might target different players, right? We have no idea who he's going to favor. And Trey Lance is actually a gunslinger. He's a guy that's going to push the ball downfield more than Jimmy Garoppolo would have. So at Brandon Ayuk being the, the primary X receiver, more downfield type of guy in this offense, it's possible that Trey Lance gravitates more towards Brandon Ayuk than he does towards Debo and Kittle. Again, a long shot, but Ayuk did have a higher A dot than both of those guys last year. It's possible that he sees Ayuk as his go-to guy, but it's also possible that Ayuk is just a boomer bust wide receiver three on a weekly basis unless a Debo or a, a George Kittle injury occurs. But again, that's very possible. Both of those guys have dealt with shit in recent years. But if that's the floor, boomer bust wide receiver three and what I project to be a good offense, I'm still cool with him to draft him in the round eight to nine range where he currently goes. And uh, like I said, the ceiling could be very, very high for Brandon Ayuk this year. So if you guys enjoyed this video, as always, if you got some value, hit the like button. We really appreciate it. Comment any of your thoughts down below. Comment down below who you think is the biggest boomer bust player in fantasy football drafts this year. Subscribe to the channel if you enjoyed. If you're new to the channel, we put out content pretty much every day. Dynasty, redraft, all that good stuff. We are getting into prime fantasy football season. So make sure you're following us over on Twitter. Make sure you're following us over on TikTok, like I said. And make sure you're subscribed to the channel for tons more content. If you want extra content, if you want access to our rankings, Dynasty Redraft, First Dibs on Dynasty Decisions, databases, all that kind of stuff is available on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash fantasy stock exchange. That being said, peace out. We'll talk to you soon.